welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. Well, um, I was in the hospital here recently. Uh, I'm fine, so no worries. But I was in there at the end of October to, uh, end of October doing a stress test. That's when they get you to run on a treadmill. They incline it like, I don't know, like you're kind of running like this, right? They incline it and you, you run on it for a little while. They test out your heart. And apparently I have a really good heart. So that's wonderful. Uh, but while I was there talking to the doctor, they have to go through your medical history and stuff like that. And she noticed that I had recently gotten a vaccine for something. And she said, hey, what's this vaccine for? I said, well, I, I just returned a few weeks ago from Thailand, a trip to Thailand. And so she said, hey, that's wonderful, good for you. And then she just moved on with the rest of the questions. She got around to the end of her questions and she said, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. And so she just stopped. It was like, like, all the questions were just like normal, normal, normal. How much do you weigh? How tall do you? And she said, I said, I'm a pastor. And she stopped and kind of swung her head around and looked at me, shocked, and said, well, what in the world were you doing in Thailand? (laughs) Hold on a minute. You know what she was asking, right? From now on, when everybody asks me where I've been, I say, I've been to Thailand because I'm a pastor and I went there to visit missionaries. Because people go to Thailand for very bad reasons. When, she, when I told her I went to Thailand, she said, oh, just good for you, and she just moved on. Thinking in her head what she knew I went to Thailand for. What a horrifying thing. When people go to Thailand, they go there for bad stuff. The majority of people go there for the exploitation of men, women, and children in the sex trade. And I remember as we were traveling over there, we knew what was happening. We were traveling over to Thailand, and uh, and I was talking with one of the pastors that I went with, and uh, I was telling him about some of my other travels. I've been to Africa, I've been to Cambodia, and and, uh, he said, what does it feel like when you land in these foreign countries? Like, he knew, we'd been talking for hours already at that point that kind of I get a sense in the spiritual realm of kind of the spiritual temperature of a space. And he says, what does it feel like when you land in these places? And I told him about Cambodia. I said, when we were in Cambodia, um, we, uh, we went to the central park of, of the city that we were in. And there in the central park were like hundreds of idols, like huge idols. And as we walked around in that space, I could feel the spiritual oppression that was there. Like it felt like a, a heavy lead blanket that we were kind of walking under as we walked around the central park of Cambodia. Well, as we're landing in Thailand, uh, he just says to me, so, so what do you think you're going to feel here? And I said, well, I'm, I'm interested uh, to find out what that's going to be like. So I, I just don't know. And so I, as we're landing, I just asked Jesus, I said, Jesus, would you give me a glimpse into what's happening spiritually in Thailand Would you help me to understand the reality of what's happening there in the spiritual realm and what you are doing? Well, I'll tell you what happened at the end of the sermon. You'll have to stay tuned to find out the rest of the story. This is our fourth Sunday of Advent, and the theme today is hope. Now, the word Advent means arrival. And to be clear, Advent is not the arrival of hope, joy, peace, or love. Advent is the celebration of the, of the arrival of Jesus, 
who brings, who embodies, who carries with him hope, joy, peace, and love to the entire world. Advent is all about the arrival of Jesus. Now, Jesus came into the world during a very dark period of Israel's history. If you read through the Old Testament, uh, you'll see that many prophecies, uh, many of the people that prophesied in the Old Testament, they were pointing to the coming of the Messiah, the Holy One of God, who was going to come and, and set Israel free. And in some of the prophecies even, the, the Messiah doesn't just set Israel free, the Messiah sets the whole world free. And at the end of the Old Testament, we find the very last book of the Old Testament uh, is a minor prophet by the name of Malachi, and he has a very special prophecy, which we're going to read in just a moment. But before I get to that, I want to set up for you what happens post-Malachi. So after this prophecy that comes in Malachi, which is like at the very end of the book of Malachi, so it's almost the very last words of the Old Testament, after that prophecy, there's 400 years where there is no corporate word from God. Now, for us, it's the transition of one page to the next. We go from the end of Malachi right to the beginning of Matthew, and it's as if nothing has happened. But that space in there is 400 years of no corporate word for the, for the people of Israel. No national prophecies, no scriptures recorded, no big prophets prophesying to, to all the people. Now, I'm not saying that there were no prophets at all or that God was not speaking. For in fact, there were prophets and God was speaking, but only to individuals. We see nothing corporately happening. We see proof of the individuals hearing from God. We, we see that in the book of Luke. In the book of Luke, there's this guy named Zechariah. He's the father of John the baptizer. And, and before all that's recorded in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, before the New Testament, God was speaking to Zechariah the priest. An angel showed up and spoke to him that he was going to have a child, even in his old age. But before the New Testament was written, in this period of darkness, there was a man named Simeon, who all we know about him is that he was righteous and devout and that he regu regularly went to the temple and we know that he heard from the Holy Spirit that he would see the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. That's why he hung out at the temple. We also know that during this period of darkness, there was a prophetess named Anna who always hung out at the temple. And at the point where she became 84 years old, she was 84 years old, she was able to see Jesus as he was brought to the temple to be dedicated by his parents. So we see proof in just the very beginning portions of the Gospels, that God was still speaking to individuals. But there was no big national prophecy. There was no prophet that spoke to Israel. There was no encouraging words or even cautionary words or anything. There was 400 years of darkness from the time of the end of Malachi to the beginning of the New Testament. Now, within that time, there were some high points. Some good stuff happened in those 400 years. It wasn't just 400 years of weeping and wailing. There was a space in there when the Maccabees came along and they freed Israel from occupation. And, and Israel experienced about 100 years, about 100 golden years of being their own nation. But for the most part, for the other 300 years, they were just undergoing one occupation after another. There was one person ruling over Israel after another and, and people subjugating them to all kinds of terrible things. Towards the latter part of those 400 years, the Israelites kind of turned a corner a little bit, but it wasn't a good corner. 
The, the Pharisees began to, to show up, and, and they led the Israelites into Pharisaical rule. At the beginning, it was meant for really good. The Pharisees came in, like the Old Testament prophets, and called the Israelites back to, to giving them, themselves over to the Lord, to, to trusting in God, to really making sure they put all their trust in Him and, and followed His commandments and decrees. And the Pharisees really kind of tried to draw Israel back into right living. But it became... And you guys know, if you've read the Gospels, it became this heavy, heavy weight that the Israelites experienced. This, this, this weariness, this discouragement, this ruling and this law that the Israelites could, could not even stand up under. By the time of Jesus' birth, Israel, for many years, had been under a heavy lead blanket of sadness, darkness, and oppression. Jesus didn't come to Israel during their best of days. Jesus came to Israel during their darkest. Which brings us back for a moment to that last Old Testament prophet Malachi and the prophecy that he gives. At the end of Malachi, there's a promise. One of many prophecies about the coming Messiah, but here's Malachi's promise in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. For you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. This is at the beginning of the 400 years of darkness. The imagery of the sun rising after a full night of, of darkness is poignant. Light defeats darkness. When the sun comes up, it can, it's unmistakable. The dawn breaks forth. This reminds us of another prophet, the prophet Isaiah, who spoke another word about the coming Messiah. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. After Malachi, we come 400 years later to the Christmas story in Matthew, where we see the wise men who follow a bright, shining star in the dark night sky. And we see the Christmas story in Luke, where the shepherds are awoken in the middle of the dark, dark night to glorious, angelic display. The glory of the Lord shone around them as the heavens opened up with an angelic host declaring great joy has come. It's like night turned to day as the shepherds look upon this. These Christmas stories occur in the darkness of night and suddenly a star comes and suddenly an angelic choir appears. Light breaks loose in the darkness. And there's a third Christmas story which doesn't normally make it to the Christmas programs, but it's my personal favorite Christmas story. It's found in the book of John. And it starts quite a bit before the other stories. In Matthew and, and in Luke, those kind of start with a little bit of a genealogy, but they, they talk about Mary and Joseph. But this story in John starts a little bit before that. And in fact, in this Christmas story in John, in the first few verses, we cover the span of thousands of years. Here's John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. Now just stop for just a moment because that is the beginning. That all happened way over here in the beginning. 
But then we make this huge transition. We travel thousands of years into the future, and we see this next line, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. Thousands of years between the creation, uh, between the creation where it's in the beginning to this space where that life was the light of men because this is now beginning to describe what's about to happen. We know this word that John is talking about is Jesus. Jesus was there in the beginning. Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Jesus was with God in the beginning. Through him everything was made and Jesus was life and that life was the light of men. This is the Christmas story, though it doesn't have wise men and shepherds and all those types of things. But this is Jesus, the light who appears in the middle of the darkness. 400 years of darkness. And those 400 years was just the latest in a long line of years and years and years of darkness. Where where Adam and Eve began, if if we look back far enough, Adam and Eve began a journey of darkness as they rebelled against God. And as they said no to God and left the Garden of Eden, darkness began at that moment and went all the way on till we get to the beginning of the book of John, where Jesus shows up. After all this dreariness, weariness, sadness, and oppression, after the long night, the sun of righteousness is rising. The people walking in darkness are about to see a great light. To those in the land of the shadow of death, isn't that so good? Those in the land of the shadow of death, a light is dawning. Here's what John says. As John continues on in this passage, in the very next verse, John says, the light shines in the darkness. How wonderful is that? How good is that? The light that so many people have been waiting for is now shining in the darkness. And not only that, but look how John ends that verse. John says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, here's just a little bit of a note. You guys know that the Bibles that we have are translations. They were originally written long, long, long ago. If, it, if you're looking at the Old Testament, it was written in Hebrew. If you're looking at the New Testament, it was written in Greek and Aramaic. And they've been translated from those languages into, the, into English or whatever language we, we speak, which is English here. Uh, but they've been translated into our language. And that translation is sometimes imperfect. It's not always exactly what was meant there. We're sometimes missing something. And if you, if you have a Bible uh, that's the 1984 version of the NIV, or if you have the King James or the New King James, your translation says uh, something like, the darkness could not comprehend the light. And while that word they translate comprehend from the Greek could mean comprehend, it's much more likely to mean overcome. And that's why most of the translations nowadays say overcome. They, they feel like they've landed. This is the best way to translate this Greek word is overcome. The word, in fact, means grasp. So the, the, the darkness could not grasp the light, which makes sense when we think about, okay, so if, we, if we're talking about grasping it, like I can't grasp that, I can't understand it, I can't comprehend it. If we're thinking of it that way, it sort of makes sense. But the actual meaning behind this word is, is more like when a police officer is grasping a, a convict or a crook, kind of grabbing hold of. And it's, this, it's more of an idea, rather than being an intellectual grasping, it's this idea that the darkness here cannot grasp, take hold of, or overcome the light. John is wanting to drive home the idea that when Jesus came as the light of God, the darkness was unable to stop him. Light always wins against darkness. 
Next week at our Christmas Eve service, we're going to celebrate this, actually. At the end of our service, we're having real candles. Isn't that good? Real candles. I tried last year to do, like, electric candles or, like, glow sticks or something like that, and my kids revolted. So that's why we have real candles. So you can thank my children for that. That's wonderful. So next week, we're going to have real candles and real fire, and we're going to pass it around the whole room here, and it's going to light up the room because we are celebrating that light overcomes darkness. That Jesus overcomes all the brokenness in this world. That when Jesus came, he, didn't, he wasn't overcome by the brokenness. He overcame the darkness and the brokenness. And here's the thing about light. Here's the thing about light. Light stirs up hope. It stirs up hope. Light shines its greatest shining when everything seems its darkest. I remember when... Gavin and I, many years ago, we were driving back from a hockey game that he had somewhere off in the nowhere land. I have no idea where it was. I can't, I don't even, I can't remember where it was, but it was somewhere off in the middle of nowhere. And it was late at night. They had a late night game. And I think it was like 1130 or 12 o'clock. We were coming back, uh, coming back home and the, the gas tank light had come on. Now that's one of those lights you don't want to see. Lots of lights are very hope-filled. That's not a hope-filled light. But the gas tank light came on, and we were on fumes. And, uh, and as we were driving, it was the middle of winter. It was dark. It was late at night. All the little towns we had passed by, they had all rolled their sidewalks, sidewalks up for the night. There was nary a gas station to be seen. And as we were going, I, I, I knew that we were, like, we were beyond the point of like, this is how long you have until you're done. The, the gas needle was almost bending around the zero mark down there. It was really bad. And it was dark. And in the darkness, you're super aware of like all the sounds, especially when like you're out of gas. Like you're listening, I was listening to the engine for that, for that last little sputter, right? And I'm like, if I, when that happens, do I put it in neutral? And do I just keep on rolling and see how far I can get? Like, what are we going to do here? Keep on praying. That's a good thing. It was one of those nights where there's no moonlight. And it was kind of cloud covered a little bit, so there were no stars. And it was dark, dark. Like, it was dark, dark. And I was nervous, and as Doug said, I was praying. And then way out there, as we're driving, like way off on the horizon, I began to think, am I I seeing a glow? Am Am I beginning to see the glow of Grand Prairie? And as we got closer and closer, the glow became more and more apparent, and hope began to stir in me again. It began to stir in me again because I knew we were close. I knew we were close. This is the feeling when light comes into the darkness. Hope begins to stir up. We begin to think that maybe, maybe, maybe it's going to be okay. I think about those wise men and those shepherds who first saw Jesus. As, as, as the wise men traveled from afar following this, this light this star, and as the shepherds woke up to the angels singing and they went in to find this Jesus, this wee little thing, he didn't amount to much, did he? The shepherds saw Jesus when he was brand new born. The wise men likely saw Jesus when he was about two, but still, he didn't amount to much. But light had begun to shine. That little child was the promise. He was the light that had come into the darkness and hope began to arise. So where are you at today? 
Are you on a journey of discovery like the wise men, maybe checking Jesus out for the first time or even trying to reconstruct your relationship with Jesus after having to deconstruct all the mess that sometimes comes along with Jesus? Maybe you're watching for that star to reveal to you in the middle of your darkness that light shines, that light shines. Or maybe you're just hanging out like the shepherds, chilling next to, the, next to Bethlehem without a care in the world, but Jesus shows up in the doldrum, in the common, in the normal, in the darkness of maybe apathy or lethargy. Jesus, the son of righteousness, begins to rise. Whatever kind of darkness you find yourself in, the light of the world shows up carrying hope in him. Are you willing to dare to hope again? Now, seeing the light, having hope begin to stir up in us, that's only half the story. That's only half the story. Now, look back at our Christmas story according to John, because the passage continues. It's, it's, you'd miss it if you weren't looking for it. Because John continues, he says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light that we just spoke about, the light that has come into the darkness, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. John was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Okay, so here we have John the baptizer who was sent by God as a witness to the light. John had the best job ever. The best job ever. He wasn't much to look at. In fact, if John were here today, we'd pass him off as a bit of a nut job. You've probably seen people like John on YouTube and all kinds of stuff. You look at them and you go, they're kind of a little bit wacky. John was this kind of a guy. He wore camel's hair robe with a leather belt around his waist, which would have looked strange. It certainly wasn't in vogue at the time. Everybody wasn't wearing this kind of a getup. He ate locusts and wild honey, which when we, when we travel abroad, we're like, let's eat the weird stuff, right? But this was the weird stuff even to them. It wasn't Middle Eastern cuisine. It was weird to eat locusts and wild honey. John was a strange character living out in the middle of nowhere, calling out to people, make straight the way for the Lord. And people were, were coming to him and like just rushing to him to hear his message. This description of John conjures up pictures of weirdos in New York City wearing sandwich boards that say, Repent, for the end is nigh. John was a strange duck, but he was sent by God. In fact, his physical attributes would have reminded the people of another strange duck written about back in 2 Kings. The prophet Elijah, one of the big OT prophets, who was described this way in 2 Kings 1.8, he had a garment of hair and had a leather belt around his waist, very similar to the way that John looks. And this lines up with what our friend Malachi said. Just before Malachi promised that the son of righteousness would rise with healing in its wings, Malachi says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. Now, John wasn't Elijah, but the way prophecies work, John was one who was like Elijah. John was one who was like Elijah. And John, as strange as he was, was sent by God to point people to Jesus, to be the guy who prophesied about Isaiah, that Isaiah prophesied about. Isaiah says about John, not knowing that it was John, that there was going to be a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, 
Every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. This was John's job, his his job description. John was this guy, this weird duck hanging out in the desert, but he gets to be the guy that goes, do-do-do-do, here is Jesus. Isn't that amazing? This weirdo. Do, 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 do. here is Jesus. He didn't have to be the Savior. He didn't have to have all the answers. He didn't have to impress anyone. He didn't have to bring the joy, love, peace, or hope. In fact, when he preached, people were like, man, this is horrible. <laughs> this preaching is terrible. He's going to get in trouble saying this stuff. He didn't have to do any of the stuff well, except to say, here's the light. Here's the light. There, there is Jesus. How awesome is that? But just wait, because there's more. There's more. A few years later, Paul writes about something that I think is pretty awesome. Look here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. What a great description. Jars of clay. Normal, common. They're not fancy. Nobody would be drawn normally to this basic jar of clay. But these cracked pots carry within them the glory of God, the light that shines in the darkness. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches uh, riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Just like the weirdo John, doesn't matter what you look like, or what your pedigree is, or how influential you might be, or how many followers you have, you, you, you weird ducks right out here, you strange people, you and I, we get to stand out in the middle of the wild places of this world, right in the darkest spaces, and go, do-do-do-do, look, 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 it's Jesus. Here's the light. I don't amount to much, but look, Here's Jesus. I can't take away your sin. I can't can't bring wholeness to you. I can't heal your diseases. I can't bring you freedom from where you're, you're at. But look, here's Jesus, the light that comes in the middle of the darkness. I know this world is dark, dark, dark sometimes. Maybe lots of times. Maybe most of the time. You know, each of us might be in a space where we feel like it's especially dark right now. But here is Jesus. Here is Jesus, the light, the hope bringer. Jesus is light for you, and Jesus is light through you for the world. Here is Jesus. When I landed in Thailand, I asked Jesus to show me Thailand through the reality of who he is and what he's doing in that space. Jesus is the hope bringer, the light that shines in the darkness, and Jesus is shining in Thailand. And I know they've got this giant statue up on the mountain of Buddha, but Jesus is bigger than Buddha. 
He's bigger than the brokenness, bigger than the darkness, bigger than all those things. And, and as we landed, I felt this overwhelming hope for Thailand. I didn't feel a heavy lead blanket come on me. I felt unburdened. I felt light. Thailand felt hopeful. The darkness that was there could not overcome the light of Jesus Christ. There's a song called God of This City that Chris Tomlin plays. It's a fantastic song. I tried to convince our worship team to play it for you this morning, but they weren't quite prepared, so maybe one day they will. But it's a song that was actually not written by Chris Tomlin. It was written by another band called Blue Tree. And Blue Tree was in Thailand. They were singing about Jesus. They had gone there on a mission trip, and they were in the, the roughest space of Thailand, and they were singing about Jesus. And there was a brothel, a local brothel owner that saw them. He must not have known what they were singing about because he invited them to come to his bar. The brothels there in, in, in Cambodia, they're bars. Or not Cambodia, but Thailand. In Thailand, they're bars. And, and so you go there to drink and, and, and purchase women and do all ty- types of terrible things. Okay, but this nightclub owner, this, this bar owner, he, he invited this, this team, Blue Tree, to come and play at his his brothel as live entertainment. And so they went. They went to this dark space. And this is what they did. They sang Jesus songs in one of the darkest places in Thailand. And the lead singer of the band, as he's singing, he just he felt like God was going to pour out a new song. So he, he just began singing a brand new song. Just right on the spur of the moment. As God was spirit was moving him, he began to sing a brand new song. And this is the song that he sang, God of the City. I'm going to read out to you one of the choruses. It's unbelievable. It's going to be up on the screen here. But here's what he's saying. He said, you're the God of this city. You're the king of these people. You're the Lord of this nation. You are. You are light in this darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the restless. You are. There is no one like our God. There is no one like our God. For greater things have yet to come, and greater things are still to be done in this city. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? I encourage you to go home today and and listen to this song. But Jesus is the light for you. Jesus is the light for Thailand. He shows up in the darkest spaces. Jesus is the light through you. He uses you in all the spaces you're going to go to today, and this week, and next week, in every space that you go to that might feel really dark, you carry Jesus into those spaces. Jesus is the light and the hope of the world. So I want you to, as we do kind of a blessing here, I want you to imagine whether it's, uh, whether it's the space you're in that feels dark right now or a space you know you need to go to, that might feel dark right now. I want you to imagine that space. We're going to invite Jesus to come and bring his light in that space. So Jesus, we just thank you so much that you are the light of the world. You've come to to break down the gates of hell, to be able to, to free the prisoners, set the captives free, to open the eyes of the blind, to raise the dead, and to give eternal life to all those who would believe in you. Jesus, we thank you that you're the hope bringer. And right now, we think of those spaces that might be prevalent in our lives right now. Maybe right now, we're in the middle of what feels like a very dark space. Jesus, come. Bring your light in that space. Bring your light. Be light for us, Lord. 
in that space that we're walking in right now that feels so dark. And Jesus, we know that you reside in us, that by your Spirit, everywhere that we go, we carry your presence into all those broken, dark spaces. And so, Lord, we think about all those spaces that we might walk into in the next week or two, all those dark spaces that need your presence. And Jesus, as we walk into them, give give us boldness in declaring the truth of who you are, Jesus, that you are the hope bringer, that you bring light in those spaces. Lord, be, be in us so much that as we go into those spaces, your light breaks out in the dark spaces. Holy Spirit, come. I would ask now, Lord, that you would fill all of us afresh by your Holy Spirit, that we be filled to overflowing with you, Holy Spirit, who carries the presence of Jesus to us and in us. And would you, Jesus, be revealed, let your glory be revealed in all the spaces that we go to. This is an amazing season, Lord, but there's so many people that are caught in darkness. And so, Jesus, we pray for our communities. We pray for our nation. We pray for our world, Lord, that in these spaces where people are experiencing depression, heartache, where they're in the middle of war-torn countries, we're in the middle of, of, of hunger um, or cold or whatever it is, Lord, in all the spaces that people find themselves today, would your presence just come? Help us. Do, 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 do. Here's Jesus. Here's Jesus who brings light to the darkness. And Father, would you help us again to experience your great love through your Son, by your Holy Spirit. Would you use us? Would you mobilize us and send us out into this world to bring your light? We give you honor and glory and praise and pray all these things in the powerful and wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you'd like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ and then make him known.